What is going on, guys? Caleb, aka Keel Pro 88, here, and today we are back with another episode of the Keel Pro Dynasty Show. A much anticipated episode here as we begin our 2022 rookie breakdowns, starting with the quarterbacks. And with me today, I got a couple of guys who know things about fantasy football, know things about dynasty. They got their own podcast. So, first off, we have Austin aka Mingo Fresh, host of the web.com podcast. How are we doing, Mingo? We are doing excellent. I am very excited. Thank you for having me, Caleb. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you were you were on here last year. We got to fire off some takes on guys. That was a lot of fun. A little different quarterback class this year, but it will be interesting nonetheless. And then we've also got Colin from the Firestarters pod. How are we doing, Colin? I'm fantastic. I'm humbled to be here. Uh, you know, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah nice. thank you. I'm excited to talk some quarterbacks. It is nice to finally get you on. And it's an interesting quarterback class because, you know, there's been some rumors that maybe it isn't the best. And I think we'll get into it. But I know looking at my rankings from previous years, these guys aren't quite stacking up with the classes we've had. Maybe we've been just too lucky to have the talent that we've had the past few years, but uh, we'll see what we got here in this 2022 rookie class. And we're going to do our top six quarterbacks. Uh, it's kind of the tier cutoff we have for guys that I think we like, maybe fantasy relevant, dynasty relevant. So we're going to go one through six. We each submitted our own quarterback rankings, which I averaged out. So do our consensus quarterback rankings and We've got a number one quarterback across the board for me, Colin, and Mingo. And it's a quarterback out of Liberty, Malik Willis. So Malik is a fifth-year senior. He transferred from Auburn, comes in at six foot 219, going to be 23 years old his rookie year. Uh, had a really big year at Liberty this past year, uh, 2,800 yards passing, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and added 13 rushing touchdowns to that as well. So, you know, it's interesting to see this guy at the top of our rankings because, you know, at the start of the year, it was sort of, I mean, we sort of seen phases of QB1. We saw Matt Corral kind of take the lead out of the gates. Kenny Pickett came on strong at the end of the season. And honestly, since the, the season's ended, Malik Willis has completely just skyrocketed to the top as what I would say is probably the community and NFL's possibly consensus QB one. So Colin, we'll start with you. Um, why do we have Malik Willis as our QB one in this class? Well, when you talk fantasy football, you want that rushing upside. Let's start there. I mean, that's what's made Jalen hurts a wide receiver one for three years, even if he can't throw the ball, but Malik Willis, seems to throw seems to have a little more throwing upside than uh than Jalen Hurts so uh let's get that comp out of the way um I I really like the uh draft season as it gets started because I don't watch a ton of college football but it gives me a chance to engage with the film and like see all these prospects kind of isolated from the college football season and all of like the narratives that go on during the season so when I'm watching this tape, it's just like, hey, Malik Willis is really good when he's not trying to do too much. And then when he's trying to do too much, it might be a little rough. But it, it seems like there's, there's a lot here to like. There's you, the ceiling of Malik Willis could be a guy that leads the league in like touchdowns, just period. And you saw that with the dual threat ability at Liberty. You said 27 passing touchdowns, 13 rushing touchdowns. That's huge. 
And so we we're going into that and it's sounds like he's going to be the first quarterback drafted. So you're going to see a team push their chips in for this guy and hopefully develop the passing game a little bit, develop the decision-making a little bit, because it does seem like he gets cabin fever a little bit, runs out of the pocket and then starts trying to add a little, a little too much, takes a few sacks, a few unnecessary sacks, throw the ball away every once in a while, and then might throw it up into traffic to try to make a play. So what I saw is a little bit of forcing the issue and not enough of taking your losses, you know, turn a first and 10 into a second and 23 because you're trying to evade like three sacks and then make a play. And instead, take it to second and 10, you got it next down. So that that's my, my big downside is that he's, uh, you know, he had to do a lot. I mean, he was on Liberty, so it makes sense that he was trying to do a lot. He was trying to be like, play a little bit of hero ball, but get some of those bad habits out of the way, and he could be really good. Mingo? Yeah, I mean, there is so much projection with Malik Willis. I mean, it's unavoidable to say. Like, he is our unanimous QB1. We expect that he will be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft. Uh, but that is not because of the product that is on the field today. I mean that, it, and it, and it's also a product of the of the class. We're going to get into these guys, and the reason that you have to have this guy as number one is that he flashes things that guys just can't can't do in this class. It's just that simple. And uh, I'm going to bet on the upside of Willis. I'm going to bet on those those flash plays that we do see. Um, you know, really great uh, flashes of accuracy to all levels. He's got the arm. I mean, he's got a cannon. Uh, he's not the biggest guy, but he's thick and he's a supremely talented runner. So you have a player that, you know, has that dual threat ability. And a lot of these guys, you know, are athletic. They can scramble, they can move. But I mean, nobody like this in the class. I mean, he is a legitimate playmaker out of the quarterback position. Uh, you might hear, you know, Lamar Jackson comps to this guy. I don't, you know, that's not necessarily on base with what I Shocker. saw. But yeah. Right. Uh, but, but that's the kind of, you know, athlete and player uh, that you're talking about here. And uh, I just, you know, there, there are a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of things on tape that make you say like, we gotta, we gotta wait, we gotta wait this guy out a little bit. I mean, he's got to develop. He shouldn't be a starter in year one. Um, that's, I mean, I think we can all agree there. He should not start his rookie year in the NFL. Uh, and you're just betting on the traits and the flashes and hoping that he can become something that I don't think anybody else in this class has the ability to do. Yeah, he's definitely a high ceiling guy that should not get thrown in at quarterback right away. I would agree with you there. Obviously, you guys talked about he's, he's got a big arm and he's shown – the ability to fit it into tight windows. Um, he's had quite a few passes like at, in the red zone where he can just thread it to the sideline. Like his receivers screwed him over multiple times, but he showed the ability. I think in the red zone, he really impressed me to, to take care of the ball and, and find open receivers find even when they are open, have the confidence to throw that into spaces that should barely even be there. And there's not, you know, quarterbacks in this class that can really do that quite on his level. Obviously it's inconsistent. You'll see him miss on those throws. You see him miss on easy throws and, you know, have those bonehead decisions, but in terms of arm strength and you add that athletic upside where he's, 
he can churn out, you know, you're down third and 10 and he can maybe scramble for a first down. Um, and I agree with Colin where he had the issue of trying to play hero ball too much. Like that was product of the offensive line a little bit, but I would get so angry watching him sometimes where I'm just like, throw the ball away, throw the ball away. Yeah. And you, you know, he's so confident that he can get away, but you know, when you lose 12 yards and you just kill a series for your team, you got to learn when it's time, you know, just call it quits on a series uh, on a play. So um, overall, I, yeah, he's our unanimous QB one. Uh, there's going to be some work to do. Hopefully he goes to a landing spot where he doesn't have to hop in right away. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he looks, you know, with like, if he ends up with a good offensive line and more talent around him. I mean, that's part of the upside is because he played at Liberty. Uh, he didn't have those kind of NFL athletes or anything. So um, yeah, uh, sky's the limit, but you know, you still got to temper expectations. Yeah. Well, and one of the things too, I mean, you watch that old Miss tape. That's the one everybody wants to see because otherwise you're working with old dominion and Colgate and whoever else. So you turn on old Miss and it's not pretty. It is That's not pretty. Uh, that offensive line, you know, played atrociously. He was under pressure pretty much every single snap, uh, at least in the first half. Um, and it, you know, you obviously don't see a lot of, uh, a great decision-making great throws in there, but, um, you did see some playmaking ability, some elusiveness in the pocket. And in the second half, you saw him kind of settle in a little bit better and, and make a few good throws in that game. So it's that sort of stuff where you kind of have to, you know, take it with a grain of salt and just say like, I, I see what you can be. Uh, and, and I'm going to bet on you. I'm going to bet on you basically. And that's what it comes down to. And I said this on, on fire starters, uh, Jordan love would be my QB one in this class. And that is still true, uh, right now. So that's, I mean, that's the level that we're talking here with our QB one. And in terms of my angle on it is like, this guy's lower than Jordan love was, but, uh, he, he's got a lot of, a lot of upside. Yeah. yeah I, th I think that's kind of the, the story in this is like, can you like, what can you see out of this guy? Like all these guys are not perfect prospects. And that's why everybody's talking about it's a bad QB class. It's like all these guys need development in whatever system they're going to land in. And Willis that is likely going to be the first quarterback taken just because he is, has the most ability in general out of out of all these guys and that comes on the ground that comes on the run he has the biggest arm and when he throws with confidence it's impressive and he can fit it in windows and he can like speak to a receiver with the ball when he throws like short passes but when he's making a decision pre-snap and he's throwing it to a spot that's when he can screw himself over and you see that a few times in that old mistake like you were talking about it's like he's throwing that that pump and go down the right side and the safety's just sitting there waiting for him and that's like it's going to come down to pre-snap reads it's going to come down to adjusting post-snap and if he can because like he has a confidence he can fit that in back shoulder because he has a cannon arm but you also got to know what you're looking at at the same time yeah it's it's he's an interesting prospect uh we'll go back to it i mean I, I ranked out my quarterbacks in terms of grading. 
uh, that I've had since 2018. So the 23 guys I had first and second round grades on, he's QB one in this class, but he's number QB, he's QB 12 overall out of those 23 in the past four years. So that kind of gives you an idea of where we're at. Super flex, he's going early first. I mean, he's been, we've seen him go 101, 102, 103. That's kind of his range. And, you know, it's a risky spot to put him, but uh, once we see where the landing spots uh, come in, maybe that'll that'll help decide it, and we can touch on that another day uh, once we get those. All right, on to QB number two. Um, we ranked this guy all pretty closely, me and Mingo having him at two, Colin at three, and that is Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett. Like I said, there was a portion of the year where he was kind of the guy uh, until the Malik Willis talk came in, and then the hand size slander sort of flew in, but He's a fifth-year senior for Pittsburgh. He's a little older prospect. He's going to be 24 years old his rookie year. Comes in at 6'3", 217, through 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions. I mean, he took a massive jump from last season. Like, when I watched his film, you know, last year, I was like, this guy's barely a pro prospect. But he turned it on this year uh, and, and also had, what, five rushing touchdowns to add to that. So, a major riser in this class, but also a bit of a divisive quarterback. A lot of different opinions on him. Mingo, we'll start with you. He's your quarterback, too. And I know you still don't feel great about it, but there are things to like with Kenny Pickett, right? There are. Yeah, there are. Um, the The separation between QB2 and QB4 for me is, like, extremely small. Um, but the reason that I go with Pickett at two is just because you see a little bit more of that, you know, the command. He's got the ability to get outside the pocket, make some plays. You know, he he can throw on the run. He can, you know, he can throw to all levels of the field. Um, and, you know, it's it's just one of those things, though, where, like you said, it's it's a one year situation he benefited from a really good offensive line. I mean, he was, he was not pressured much at all. He would have, you know, a lot of time to, to think through things, go through his reads. And, and even then he would still almost do that, you know, create your own pressure type of dance where like he's sitting there, he's waiting, he's waiting, nothing's there. All right, I'm going to run, but there is nobody in his face. He's just running. Uh, and so my comp for Kenny Pickett is Derek Carr because what we saw to Derek Carr in 2014 was that he was a very jumpy player at Fresno state. He, you know, the pressure, uh, he couldn't handle pressure. Well, he created his own pressure, uh, but he had flashes. He could throw to all levels of the field. Um, and I think that's what you're talking about with Kenny Pickett. You're talking about a similar upside, I don't think you're getting anything, you know, spectacular here. This is not a franchise altering player. It's just not. He his ceiling is Derek Carr for me, um, which you know, there's a handful of teams out there that would kill for Derek Carr, and uh, you know, arguably a, a guy who has played at an MVP level uh, at, at some point in his career, whether or not you believe that or not. But uh, th I think that's kind of the ceiling with Pickett. It's it's really a tale of two prospects between Willis and Pickett. Um, you're banking on something that, you know, maybe isn't there yet with Willis. Uh, whereas with Pickett, what you see is what you get. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy I was a fan of. I, I watched an abnormally large amount of college football this year. And as he sort of came on to the year, I was really interested to watch him. 
and he really impressed me. I mean, uh, from an accuracy standpoint, I think he's the best in the class. I think that's kind of his thing where, you know, short intermediate accuracy, he can be on the dot uh, leading receivers. He doesn't throw his receivers into bad situations, which I mean, projects him as I think a starting quarterback at the next level. I mean, we, this is probably, I would say the most pro ready again, his ceiling isn't as high, but you see like guys like at his level, like a Jimmy G or something like if Pickett goes to a, a Pittsburgh, uh, he could step, I think he could step in right away with the weapons they have in place and be reliable. And, you know, you did talk about that a little bit, like he's got good mobility for, for his size, not even for his size. He just has good mobility. Um, he doesn't have a huge arm. And um, yeah, like you said, the, he bails on clean pockets. It really doesn't make much sense. Like if he doesn't see something, all of a sudden he'll roll out to his right. And then that shrinks the field of where he can throw. So I think that's an issue with him as well, where, you know, he's, he's slimming it down for himself. The hand size thing, I think, I don't know, we can talk about it, but I think it's a little overblown. I'm not factoring it in that much, Um, but he, he is what he is. I mean, is an accurate quarterback. He's mobile. He can get outside the pocket, make plays, but he doesn't have a huge arm. The deep ball can flutter on him. Like you're, you're not, there's not a ton of upside, but I think he's a, a starting caliber quarterback at the next level. Yeah. My comp for him is Joe Burrow's little brother. <laughs> just like a guy that idolizes Joe Burrow, but just isn't quite him. It's uh, like you guys said, he, seems to be buying time in a clean pocket a lot. It's just like, and his footwork is a little weird. It's he, he shuffles back. He doesn't like do that natural one, two, three step drop back and then fire it. It's a more of like a kind of saunters back and then hops and then, and then like throws the ball. And it's, I don't know. I, I don't love Pickett from what I've seen. Uh, I'm glad we haven't talked about hand size because you can't tell when you're watching him play that he has small hands, it doesn't make a difference. Um, I, the deep ball leaves some to be desired. Like you guys said, I mean, there's, there's not a lot that you guys haven't said that there is to be said. He's athletic. He can throw on the run. He's antsy in the pocket and he makes things worse for himself when he doesn't have to. I think it could be a problem if you put him in like a timing offense, because the timing syncs up with the wide receiver, usually on a three-step drop and he's not doing a lot of three-step drops. It's like a, like I said, a shuffle and a hop and then a throw. And that, that could be thrown off timing with elite receivers. So it's, it's a, he's an interesting prospect. He's really accurate, short and intermediate again, like you guys said. So that'll be helpful to any NFL offense, but that, that footwork issue needs to get worked out before he can be like super successful because if he doesn't have an elite all line, like the Pittsburgh example, he can't hop back and jump twice before he throws the ball. Like he's going to have to be two step slant to Deontay, you know, swing to Najee. It's not going to, he's not going to have time to do his little, his little dance back there. So that's that's the only thing that I think is like a serious issue with Pickett, and that's why I have him at three instead of two. But outside of that, it's he's a solid prospect. He's one of those pretty good game managing quarterbacks. He seems like he has a little bit of something to him too. So like that's nice. 
to have as a leader of your team. But yeah. I I really I really struggle with this man cuz like I I completely agree like he's he's very accurate and that makes me want to say that he is a very high floor guy. Like I feel confident that Kenny Pickett can come in as a rookie and be solid. Like he he doesn't need a lot of nurturing. I mean, he's an older prospect as it is. But every single game in my notes, I have that he just isn't handling pressure well at all. And uh, I mean, there there's instances like North Carolina where, you know, uh, the game's on the line, you know, it's tied late in the fourth quarter, first throw of the, of the potentially game winning drive. He basically uh, should have thrown a pick. I mean, the, the, the defender dropped it, but it was like right in his hands. And it's just that kind of stuff where it comes up time and time again, where, even under minimal pressure, he seemingly panics and forces something that doesn't need to happen. Uh, and it's that, that kind of stuff does kind of worry you a little bit because you're not going to get that necessarily at the NFL level. You're not going to get the time that you need to, to go through those progressions. Like uh, Western Michigan was a perfect example of him just slicing and dicing a far uh, inferior defense. I mean, he had all the time in the world to throw in that game. He was exploiting mismatches. There was, I God, this kid, uh, the safety Western Michigan, man, he had a rough day with Addison <laughs> and the squad out there because, uh, it was like every time that they had him on the safety pick, it was hitting him deep for, for a touchdown. And, uh, so he's, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to when he's, when he's in control of things, but, the second it breaks down a little bit, even in that game against Western Michigan, all of a sudden in the second half, they start getting a little bit of heat on him. He has a few bad passes and then throws a terrible interception late in that game in another close game. So, I mean, it's, it's just the things like that, that pop up kind of consistently that make me a little bit worried about, you know, calling him a very safe prospect. Uh, but he has the accuracy that, you know, a lot of these guys don't really have right now. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. How you guys mentioned under pressure, how he struggles. It's, it's weird. It's cause it's like, there have been multiple plays where, um, you know, he'll be, there'll be a free rusher that'll come right at him and he'll easily like, he'll, he'll have a sixth sense spin out of it, but then he gets kind of weird once he's in that zone where, you know, he couldn't just get his quick read and, and make it work. Um, and then also with, I just wanted to bring up the fumbles with hand size. Uh, so in his four years, the fumble numbers have gone down each year. Uh, 2018, uh, five fumbles lost, two fumbles lost in 2019, one fumble lost in 2020 and two in 2021. So I don't know if that's a, a crazy, like a huge issue that we've seen. Uh, I was looking at the numbers. Desmond Ritter has almost double that in that time frame. So um I, I don't know if I'd overreact to it, but yeah, I, I'd agree. I don't think, yeah, he's not like a super, like not a completely safe prospect. You know, I say he's the most pro ready, but uh, there's still going to be a little bit of growing pains, but if a team can clean up how he acts in the pocket, stop him from, you know, abandoning plays and shrinking the field, I think he'll still have a, a promising future. Yeah, I agree. 
All right. So on to quarterback number three, we've got sort of rankings all over the place. This is where the consensus rankings among us sort of completely change. Um, Comes in at quarterback three. It's Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Uh, As I mentioned earlier in the pod, he was in the beginning, like QB one, pretty uh, consensus, but he's kind of fallen a little bit. He had his injury in the bowl game versus Baylor. So it's kind of hard to get a read on this guy. We didn't get to see him in the senior bowl or the combine, but he comes in at 6'1", 212. He's going to be a 23-year-old rookie. He threw for over 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions, and he added 11 rushing touchdowns as well. So a dual threat quarterback. Colin, you have him ranked the highest among us at quarterback two. So why is Matt Corral so high for you in this class? Well, I, him and Pickett kind of feel pretty similar as prospects. It's like accurate guys that can, that are athletic. I mean, I have Corral as athletic Jimmy Garoppolo because it's just like all RPOs. He kind of, he almost reminds me of Tua in a sense where it's just like all his are RPOs and he can move a little more than Tua obviously since the, the Tua hip injury, but it's, it's a lot of that, a lot of run after the catch in the offense. He's accurate, short to intermediate again which presents him as a high floor guy, but the questions will come be like, well, the deep ball isn't great, but I mean, it's almost the same conversation that we were just having with Kenny Pickett for me. It's like, he gets flustered, flustered under pressure. He's really accurate, short to intermediate. He can move a little bit. And it's like, I, it's, it's almost hard to differentiate. Like I could have put them, they're kind of interchangeable in my rankings. They're both like, 2a and 2b in this class for me so i mean i put corral there because he feels like he has more poise in the pocket and so like i i like that and like he makes these quick decisions and the ball comes out on time which is super important because like i said with Pickett, it's it's harder to refine bad footwork and bad timing versus with corral he's in this rpo offense where a lot of nfl teams are running that anyway so if he's going to be running RPOs after RPOs, he'll be comfortable in that offense and it, the ball will be coming out on time on target. And so I, they, they're, they're very close, but I'll give Corral the edge because he feels more pro ready just based on the way the league is going in the sense of how many RPOs are being run in the NFL right now. All right, uh, I'll follow up here. This is probably the biggest disparity in rankings we have all pod. Uh, You have him at number two. I have him at QB5, which if you've followed me at all, uh, seen where my quarterback rankings are going, this might be kind of a shock to you. Um, I get a lot of your points. Uh, You know, he's a guy I really liked because he had like the high velocity off, off like it just jumps out of his hand, his passes, like, it's such a nice tight spiral. It's just so fun to watch with that quick release. And he's a gamer. He's super competitive. So, you know, he's not a guy who's just going to, he's leaving it all out on the line when he's out there. Uh, the issues I have with him stem from how is he going to play out of structure? You know, accuracy wise, he can be good, but the like just everything he does, like it's that RPO offense, 
And when things, when his first read isn't there, like, you know, we love to call Michael Thomas slant boy, but Matt Corral's kind of slant boy. I mean, if you took a shot for every guy, this guy dinked one over the middle, uh, you'd be drunk by the end of the game. And you'd be drunk by the end of the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, that's the offense that they ran. So you can't just be like, well, he can't do it. But once things started to break down, I think he leaned more towards using his rushing ability, which is fine. But, you know, when you match that up with a deep ball, that's not all that accurate. Like he would either slightly underthrow guys or overthrow them by like four or five yards. I mean, there was, there were balls that, that worked for him and that's fine, but I worry about him, you know, when you don't have that deep ball accuracy, a lot of your stuff's one read kind of offense where you, you stare down receivers. Um, I just worry how that projects to the next level and how he's, if he's not in an offense where that caters to him, you know, if things break down, if he's got a bad offensive line, how is he going to, is he going to make those reads? Is he going to make those kinds of plays? And I just worry about that with him. I mean, the rushing upside really helps him there. And, but I just question his sort of decision-making and everything out of, out of that, you know, system. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to for me too. Uh, I mean, yeah, the NFL is kind of transitioning a little bit more to look kind of college and how things operate. But at the end of the day, I mean, this Lane Kiffin RPO spread system, I mean, it was giving him looks that required nothing from him, essentially. I mean, guys were wide open time and time again over the middle of the field, you know, go routes down the sideline, just nobody there. And it's just, uh, you know, yeah, he's hitting throws. Like you got to give it to him. That's the thing. It's like, you can't just take away from a guy because he plays in this system. You know, what is, what are his talents? Like, can he hit the throws? Does he have the arm to do it? I mean, I think his accuracy is, is good, uh, which is why he slots in a number three rather than a little bit later. I think there are, you know, translatable traits there in terms of the accuracy um, you know, obviously the athleticism is, is a big bonus as well. Um, I like the, the athletic Jimmy Garoppolo comp. I like that a lot. He's got that quick lightning release, uh, but he also has that ability to scramble, get outside the pocket and, you know, even make some pretty significant plays with his feet. So, uh, he's not the biggest guy, uh, and it's a common theme with the, with the, guys in this class is you got to get down. I mean, they, they love to scramble, but you got to get down because you're not that big and you take a lot of shots. And we saw, you know, Corral getting kind of banged up in a few games this year, uh, nothing serious, but kind of limping off the field a few times. Then he gets, you know, pretty serious injury at the end of the year. Um, so that's kind of a concern as well, but yeah, there's, there's not a lot of NFL throws on his tape. So it's hard to project him. Uh, but you're, you know, he, he's kind of slotting right in that middle for me, right in this kind of tier of, you know, lower ceiling guys, but they all have their own niches basically. Yeah. And by putting him as my QB two in this class, by no means am I like, Hey, this guy's a superstar. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I, the, it's just like, basically if he goes, into the right offense kind of like caleb said if he lands in an rpo based offense he'll be very comfortable and be able to make those throws 
But if he doesn't, then we'll learn if he can process, if he can make those decisions, if he can do pre-snap, all that stuff, because that's where it's questionable. So we'll, we'll see, I guess, where he lands. And if, I mean, obviously if he lands somewhere and he has to do that kind of stuff where he's actually having to do the pre-snap and we see like that, then he dropped down below Pickett for me because Pickett, I feel like is less scheme dependent than Corral, but I feel like Corral in an RPO offense is would be better than Pickett in whatever offense. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, it's what's it's tough to say at this point. Just cut right. It, we don't know enough, and you have to think if a team is drafting him, you hope they maybe cater to him a little bit. I mean, that's again, what I was thinking. Like, I don't know if I see him starting right away either way. So, it's just a tough spot where it's honestly so close between all these guys, and you just have to take what little traits you like in a guy uh, and hope that they can put it together at the next level. It's so hard for me with Corral. Like our next guy that we're going to talk about him and Corral. I, I fought on this for so long because it's just, I can see a scenario where Corral just doesn't figure it out at the next level. I mean, there's, I, I don't see him as a high four guy. I think there's a real chance that he comes in, gets a little bit overwhelmed. He's not, you know, from an arm talent perspective, he's not the most impressive guy. He's a little bit smaller. He's a little bit less, you know, quick in terms of processing. I can see a world where the NFL is just a little bit too fast for him and he just cannot keep up. And that's what I'm worried about with him. Yeah. So that's where we got him at QB three. Again, it's interesting how these guys rank out, but, um, Definitely going to be interesting to see where he falls in the actual NFL drafted teams are kind of scared away by, by what that processing holders have. They think they can mold him into an NFL starting quarterback. So now we go on to quarterback number four in our consensus rankings. And this one is probably the most interesting and one I'm most interested to talk about because there's so many varying opinions on him. And that is Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. So I'm actually the highest on him, which Again, if you've been following me at all, you would <laughs> think I'm crazy because I have not been the biggest Ritter guy, but I've got him at three. You guys have him at four, so not much different. But Desmond Ritter, so let's let's go into what he's got. He comes in at 6'3", uh, 211. He's going to be uh, in his late – he's going to be almost 23 when he starts in the NFL. Had, obviously had a massive season at Cincinnati. They went to the playoff. Uh, 30 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and tossed in six rushing touchdowns as well. So a really good season out of him. He's a fifth-year senior. And we talked about this a little bit before the pod, but he's just such an enigmatic quarterback. Um, there's so much to like, and there's so much to dislike. Definitely the one of a true boom-bust quarterbacks out of this class, in my opinion. And in a class where we talked about Corral and we talked about Pickett where it's like, you know, you don't know how much upside there is. I'm sort of in the thought process where, you know, I'm going to take a guy like Desmond Ritter and hope he figures it out over a, a future average starter. So if you go into to Ritter, what, what is there to like about him? I mean, arm strength and athleticism. I mean, it's kind of like Malik where those are his strong points. 
because uh, he can move, he can make throws on the run, he can make pretty much any throw. Uh, he puts nice touch on his deep balls, and it's a, it's a tight tight spiral. I mean, it's nice to watch him throw. The mechanics are a little wonky and might affect the accuracy, and that's the main thing holding him back. I mean, I've been preaching it forever, but he's just an inaccurate quarterback. He's such a streaky passer. And it really worries me. I mean, it's always worried me to the point where it's like, can he wasn't even a first round prospect. I mean, he's borderline first for me now, but um, he's got the traits where if he could just figure it out as accuracy wise, he could be a top quarterback. Well, I don't even know if I should say that. I think he could be a very good starting quarterback. Um, The accuracy though, like just sailing passes over the middle, putting, you know, hospital passes, putting his guys in the bad situations. Uh, and it's interesting watching, like, it depends what games you watch. Cause if you watch him versus his AAC competition, like you watch like the SMU or Houston games, you're like, oh, all right, this guy's, he's got something. And then you watch the Notre Dame and Alabama tape. I mean, the Notre Dame tape was pretty bad. Uh, just forcing the ball in the spots uh, that he shouldn't have being inaccurate. And the Indiana game was, I mean, that first quarter was just brutal where you saw the worst, the lowest of lows accuracy wise. So, you know, you, you want to see him because Cincinnati's a good team. You would think he would still be able to perform against this higher competition, but he didn't do it. So it's a balancing act where, you know, he beat up on the lesser competition and you see the upside and then you see him against the better competition where he lets you down uh, it's a tough prospect to evaluate, but I guess with him having him at QB three, I'm just going to try and bet on the upside rather than uh, not even really safe picks with these other guys. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, I expected more going into watching Ritter. I, I like wanted him to be better than he was. And so I was watching, watching that Alabama tape. It's like, wow, this is just not that good. Like this is, he's missing a lot of passes. He's late often. He's like, he's got a great arm. He's really athletic, but like when it comes down to quarterbacking, it's just like, I don't know. There's, there's a lot, a lot left to be desired. And so it's, he also has like a really low release angle. He's like throwing it from like here and balls are getting batted down left and right. And, uh, and then he also sails it high on over the middle passes, which I, that doesn't really make sense to me. And, but then, like you said, you see the good moments and it's like, Oh shit, like that, he can rip it. But the bad moments outweigh those to me so much. Like, you can't expect everybody to be Josh Allen and like fix their accuracy. Cause like most guys, when they have accuracy problems, they have accuracy problems. And that's about like the book. That's the book that is written. And it's really hard to, to fix that. But if he, I mean, if he gets with the right team that has a good developmental coaching staff and works on this accuracy and, you know, really fix them up, AKA the, New York Giants who have Brian Dayball who worked with Josh Allen and maybe could uh, work Ooh. behind Daniel Jones for a year could do that. And then you could see that upside realized, but I find it hard to bet on that upside when there's so much, when he plays the good teams, which is the tape that I, I mean, I really care about. It's hard to be like, 
yeah, this guy should go in the first round, top 20 picks to the Giants. It's like, uh, I don't know. Like you can, you can wait on that. It's a project. It's a big project. Let me ask you guys a question. Everything that you just said, Colin, what's stopping somebody in that's listening to this podcast from saying, well, why do you have Malik Willis as the number one quarterback then? If you're not going to, if you don't like Ritter because of these issues, then why is Malik Willis your number one quarterback? Exactly. That's the, <laughs> that's the question I asked myself when I was making these rankings. Uh, I, I, go think, ahead, go ahead. I think Willis, he's better at tight window throws. I think his deep ball is a little more accurate and I think he's better as a runner as well. I think those kind of things factor in and I'd love to see him with like a better offensive line. Whereas, I mean, Cincinnati gave him the time of the day. Like I said, they had talent all across the field. They got many players that are going to get drafted off this Cincinnati squad. So he was set up to succeed. And like, I mean, when he, when he and Alec Pierce, I can't wait to talk about him a little bit on the receiver episode, but when he, when those two were locked in, I mean, there was no stopping him. And Ritter had some really nice passes to him where he, he put it in the perfect spot where Alec Pierce could high point it because he knew he could. And it was just a thing of beauty watching them work down, work their way down the field. But then you also have to factor in, you know, for every two good passes from Ritter, there's one that leaves you scratching your head and that's what you're going to have to work through. Yeah, I I think Willis, you see him against, again, a lot of bad opponents, and he's beating up on them. And that, that's where it's interesting, where it's like, am I going to take all of that? Like, how big of a grain of salt do I take that with? And then you look at Ritter, and he's really good. Or he's solid against bad teams. There's still a lot of bad throws against bad teams. Like, in that Houston tape that you're talking about, there's still a lot of, like, questionable stuff yeah. that he's doing. And But with Willis a lot of the time when he's playing these bad teams, he's, I, I don't want to say flawless, but he's like excellent. And that's, that's kind of where you, you can parse it. But I mean, you're talking about the teams Liberty's playing versus the team Cincinnati's playing. And it, it's, it's not exactly the same, but I just, I, I'm way more impressed with what Willis has put on tape, especially on his feet. And then you combine that with the, the arm. I just think it's a, he's, almost an upgraded version of Ritter. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I what I think too. I mean, that you the yes, Ritter is a very very good athlete. I mean, if you never watched Ritter until you saw the 40 that he put up, like you might have you might have went into his tape thinking like, "Oh man, like this is exciting. I got to watch this guy." He's not the athlete that Willis is. I mean, he's a very good athlete, but Willis is just on a different level. So there's that, there's that part of it. I mean, Willis has playmaking ability that cannot be compared to in this class. Uh, and I think his arm talent's just better. I mean, yeah. I think it's better. You don't get to see it as much. That's the thing. You see a lot of what you're going to get with Ritter. To me, I don't think there's a lot of projecting with Desmond Ritter. I don't think there's much more in there than what we got in, in this last season at Cincinnati. Whereas I think with Willis, there's a lot of untapped potential, a lot that isn't on tape yet that we haven't seen that he's capable of. And that's the difference for me. Uh, and that being said, I mean, I Ritter is the kind of guy that you're going to hear a lot is the, the highest floor, the most pro ready. Those are all the buzzwords. Everybody's talking about Ritter that way. 
And that comes down to he's an experienced quarterback who commands the line of scrimmage and who can read a defense. The problem with Ritter is that if he knows where to go with the ball, he needs to put it there and he doesn't always put it there. And that's, and you want, you, you just, it pains you to watch this guy every single game. You're sitting there. Like if you just didn't make these few throws, man, like what are we doing here? Because like, there's so much to like about him in his best moments. He's got the frame. He's got the arm talent. He's got the athleticism. It's just the most important thing about playing quarterback, the accuracy that time and time again fails him. And that's why it's just so hard for me to project him as a, as a good starter in the NFL. I think he can play the position, but I just, I don't see much more than what we see right now. Yeah. I mean, Colin brought it up. It's like you come into these games and you, you want to like Desmond Ritter so much. Like there's so much traits wise that you like, but it'll always leave you wanting more. It'll always let you down a little bit. Like every game you watch, it's just like, it's there, but he doesn't quite have it. And yeah, I agree. The pro ready stuff, like, like you said, from a game manager uh, reading defense, he's obviously great, but if he stepped in as a starting quarterback week one, he would get destroyed. He would be awful with that accuracy. He would get eaten alive. Um, And I just don't understand, like you say pro ready, but I guess it define you have to have your definition of priority. I think most people say priority is like this guy could hop in and play week one. Desmond Ritter cannot do that. So when you hear people say pro ready with Desmond Ritter, don't expect him like draft him in fantasy. Be like, all right, well, Desmond Ritter is the most pro ready. So uh, now that he's on the Steelers, I can start him week one. It's like, no, like you're not going to be able to use this guy for a little bit. He's going to be a project. Do you guys have a comp for Desmond Ritter? Cause I could not think of one. I have one. Give me it. Carson Wentz. Oh God. Another enigmatic quarterback. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> I can see that. Carson Wentz at NDSU reminded me. It reminds me a lot of Ritter and I didn't like Wentz as a, as a prospect. And I mean, that was a lot because he was being mocked in the top two and I just didn't see that. Whereas a guy like Ritter, it's like, if you can get him in the second, if you could get Carson Wentz in the second, like you're, you're fine with that. But it's just he yeah he has that sort of profile physical tools good arm just boneheaded throws constantly yeah i can see that i i have some weird comps i had him as a mobile mason rudolph (laughs) 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 or it's like he's got a good arm he's got issues with accuracy um I mean, that's pretty much Mason Rudolph, but except he's a mobile version of him. So I don't know. That was the one that popped into my brain. <laughs> All right. So moving on to our QB five in this draft, we have Nevada's Carson Strong. So he comes in at 6'3", 226, fourth year junior. He's going to be 22 years old in his first year. Put together a solid season, 36 touchdowns, eight interceptions, Obviously, no rushing numbers to look at. Uh, But looking at our rankings, I am actually the highest on him, which, again, is very surprising. I've got him at QB4, Colin QB5, and Mingo dead last, QB6. So I'll lead off with Carson Strong. And this was a guy I loved to hate early in the process just because he was so slow and was funny to watch him run. 
Um, wasn't really quarterback breakdown analysis, but that was just sort of my first thoughts on him. And now after digging into the film, I found myself liking him more, which again was very surprising. The main thing you look at with Carson Strong is his arm, his arm talent, arm strength, and the confidence to make those throws. Uh, there were a lot of throws. It was, I think it was the Fresno State game that really stood out to me where he had so many tight window throws that you could just barely fit it into. And it just really impressed me, like uh, almost jaw-dropping throws where I was like not expecting this. And to have the confidence to, to, to attempt those throws and the ability to just fit them into the tightest windows, I think he's the best in this class at doing that. I think he's the best at those tight window throws. And he pairs it up with a solid deep ball where he can drop it right in the bucket down the sideline. It's not a problem for him. Um, it's not always accurate, but I think that's another good trait for him. Um, and, you know, he's not mobile, but I think he shows good poise in the pocket where, you know, obviously he's not going to scramble outside. He's not going to bail on pockets, but he's able to maneuver around enough where he's not just a sitting duck. I don't think he's just a statue, honestly. I think he moves around enough where he's not um, a sitting duck all the time. I mean, if it breaks down for him, he's probably, he might get sacked. Like there are many times where, you know, you could see maybe a corral getting away from it or even a howl. But I think with him, I think the arm strength, the confidence, um, it's so good that, maybe not fantasy wise, but I think it could come around. I think he's just such a good, I mean, in this day and age, maybe not the prototypical prototypical quarterback, but I think he's got enough upside with that arm uh, talent and as a leader and with his poise that I'm, I've got him at QB four. Again, it's not very high, highly graded. I mean, there's issues with him accuracy wise and he'll miss some throws, but I think if he can completely clean it up, I know he's dealing with a knee injury too, that he sort of came back from early. Maybe we'll get a tiny bit more mobility, but I think as a quarterback, I see a little more upside than maybe most would think probably you guys as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Tom Brady. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, my, my comp form was big Ben circa 2019. Oh, it's uh, there's just like not, not much mobility there. No. Very, very accurate. He has no off speed pitch. Everything's a fastball. Like everything's coming out with a lot of heat. And that, that shows in his deep ball because he doesn't really like, he doesn't drop it in the bucket. It's, it's coming on a rope and that makes it tough on the receiver to adjust. And that's where you see the deep ball be a little iffy, but I mean, when it comes to like pocket presence and making all the throws, he can do that. And I honestly, I was more impressed with strong than I expected to be. And so like, I, I come away from this and I was like almost at a point where I wanted to put him over Ritter just because I've saw more good throws out of strong on a consistent basis, but Ritter has way more upside. So like I, I couldn't, I just couldn't get myself to do that, but yeah, strong seems fairly polished. Seems like he can read a defense knows when to give the ball to a playmaker. Uh, some of the guys like they're athletic to a fault. 
because they want to make the plays themselves. Strong knows that he's not that guy. And he knows when to dish it to one of the scat backs, dish it to the slot guy, dish it to the tight end. Cause th- there's nothing, there's nothing else for him there. Yeah. And that's, that's a testament to him knowing the limitations of his abilities. And so I, I, I kind of like strong. I can see him as a career backup, just kind of going place to place, filling in and being solid. But yeah, I, I mean, I, this is not your like franchise guy that you're going to build your team around, but yeah, I, I was more impressed with strong than I expected to be. Well, that's the thing right there. Like backup. That's what I see him as. He is a serviceable NFL backup. That's, I mean, I, so, okay. Carson strong, this whole idea, like everybody has to be, you know, Josh Allen level of an athlete, like at the quarterback position, that's not true. Like Mac Jones last year, I had a very high grade on Mac Jones. He's not a a scrambler. He's not really even an athlete, but he knows, you know, he has enough to move around inside the pocket and, and create when he has to strong. I don't see that at all with him. He is very rigid, incredibly rigid in the pocket. I know he had the knee injury, which is, you know, already a red flag. Um, But I mean, he, he's very stiff in the pocket. And I mean, he does, you know, he moves around like he he's able to like move as a person, but like, he's not, <laughs> he's not really creating anything with his he's legs. Not a literal statue. He is a bipedal, you know, animal, but he can't, you know, um, my comp for Carson strong is Mike Glennon. Uh, that's what I see him as. He's a big guy with a pretty good arm. I mean, he's got, he's got serious arm talent. That's why he's in, even in this conversation right now. Uh, but he's not doing a lot for you with his feet. He's not really creating much. Uh, he's just a guy that can make, you know, a few really nice throws. Uh, and that's really all I see with him. I see him as a, a, a high end backup uh, guy that can make it in the league. Like Mike Lennon has somehow, uh, stuck around all these years in some capacity, but uh, I, I don't, I just don't see the, the upside to take him. You know, he's, he's kind of got like a third round grade for me. Yeah. I'm, I guess, yeah, I'm a little higher. Like we mentioned earlier, I think I can see him as a starter at the next level. I don't know. I, he's going to get a chance. My high upside comp for him is Matt Ryan, where you don't see Matt Ryan move around a lot, but he, I mean, I was watching, that year they went to the Super Bowl or his MVP year. And like he, he was making those sorts of throws where he wasn't moving around much, but he he hasn't he's a little bit of mobility and he can make pretty much any throw. It's not going to be super glamorous or anything, but I think you know he's got enough arm strength and like Colin said, where he knows his limitations and he's able to to make good decisions with the football because of it. Because He's not going to tuck and run and go somewhere. He's going to find the open receiver. He's going to progress through his reads and he can make any throw. So if he gets to a good landing spot where he's got uh, good weapons, uh, well, he's going to need a good offensive line. That's the main thing. But if, if they can, if there's a good, it's kind of like the Patriots where you can, if you can give Mac Jones a good uh, surrounding for him, he can thrive. And I, you know, Carson Strong's fantasy upside might not be as high, but uh I think he could be a good quarterback. And yeah, that's that I, I agree. <laughs> and what I made 
I mean, I when I made my list, I was looking at like who would I want as my quarterback of my team rather than like strictly from a fantasy basis because sure. like those guys seem to last longer in the league anyway. And so like Howell maybe would be better in fantasy because of his legs, but I feel like strong is just like a guy that you can rely on more. And so that's, that's kind of where I had him ahead a little bit just as like an NFL guy. And yeah, he, he would need to be surrounded by talent, obviously just like all pocket pads. Like you, I, I jokingly made the Tom Brady comp before, but like Tom Brady needs a, a running back that can catch the ball. He needs a slot receiver. And like you saw him leave the Patriots because he didn't have that stuff. And he came to Tampa and immediately thrived with, you know, three elite weapons, four elite weapons. So like, that's just something necessary for a pocket passer. And that's kind of why the league is going away from it. So you don't have to build your team like that. But if he lands in a spot that has those things, I, he could thrive and like, he could be a low end starting quarterback, but like, there's not a lot of teams that are built that well that need a quarterback. Okay. I got a, we're, I know we're in like the four to six range now in a pretty bad class, but like, I, I could not disagree more on strong. I mean, this is like, we talk about pocket passers in a completely like blanketed way. And I mean, that is not at all the case. I mean, a guy like Mac Jones, even Joe Burrow, even a guy like Joe Burrow, he's not a mobile quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, he can move around, but he's not a mobile guy. Those guys win in their own ways inside the pocket, you know, stepping up, avoiding pressure, feeling pressure, having enough in the pocket to be able to make plays, even if it's not, you know, scrambling, getting outside, picking up yards. A guy like Strong, I mean, like, sure, he can, you know, he can do that. Like, he can avoid pressure at times, but there's just not enough, you know, there's not enough flexibility with him. I mean, it's just very rigid play, and I think, like, it just, it haunts me, man. Like, I think about guys (laughs) like Josh Rosen, Jared Goff, like, these sorts of players that have just burned me time and time again and burned NFL teams time and time again because, like, like you say, Caleb, like, Matt Ryan, that's a perfect example of a guy who, you know, made a a very successful career as a pocket passer, but it's getting harder to be that player. I think in today's NFL, and it's even harder when you don't have a natural feel for pressure and how to avoid and how to move around inside the pocket. And I just don't think strong has that. Yeah, those are fair points. I think he, that's something he could maybe develop a little bit more at the next level. But again, I mean, we're we're really cutting into it here. Like, the, <laughs> I'm, we I, said I'm that we gonna, had to have one disagreement. Yeah, I feel like we didn't I'm, have a single one last year. Yeah. See, I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Yeah, no, Carson Strong is going to be no." Like, I, I, I said, if he's surrounded by elite talent, yeah. he could be a low end starter <laughs> on the yeah. best like, NFL team ever. Yeah, you know? right. Like, Again, if he yeah. if he is on the Arizona Cardinals, like he would be QB 25, like (laughs) as a starter. So like, I I think he's a career backup. And if uh, like, if it's perfect circumstances, he could be a starter, but I just like, I agree. He's super, super limited. 
And I, I think he uh, navigates the pocket a little better than you're giving him credit for. Uh, but he's not in no sense of the word. Like in my mind, there's a pocket passer, there's an improviser and there's a scrambler. Like that's my kind of three ideas of a quarterback. And Joe Burrow is more of like the improviser kind of quarterback. And he needs to be with the O-line there. Mac Jones is more of the traditional pocket guy where he's kind of shifting around, navigating the pocket, stepping up and firing. And that's kind of how I see Carson Strong. I think Carson Strong is much worse than Mac Jones. Yeah. So like, I'm not, I'm not even going to go there. Like Mac Jones is a solid starting quarterback that can manage a game. Carson Strong has to get there. And so, yeah, career backup, I think is an easy thing to project for him. Yeah. You have to, we have to remind ourselves here. Like I'm not banging the table for Carson Strong. <laughs> I just, there's some things I like. And like we mentioned Mac Jones, who maybe he wasn't the high upside guy last year, but he would still be, I think in this class for me, he would be a uh, QB two actually behind Malik, but I was a little lower on Mac than, I mean, that's sort of what it is, but uh, Carson Strong's not even on that level. So again, no. yeah, we're, we're at the point where you're just going to take chances on guys. I'm going to take a chance on the guy with elite arm strength and, you know, someone that can command uh, a football team, but all good points. Very good conversation on Carson Strong that I wouldn't have expected. <laughs> all right. <laughs> on to our uh, QB six, last but not least, but maybe least. I don't know. We're getting to the end here. We got UNC's Sam Howell. So a guy that came into the year along with <laughs> Spencer Rattler as like one of the top guys in this class. And now he falls here to QB six for us. He comes in at 6'1", 218. He's one of the younger guys in this class. He's a third-year junior, 21 years old, uh, 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and also contributed 11 rushing touchdowns, which was the big story of how that improved in his game in 2021, uh, sort of unlocked that potential. But he sits here at QB6. Uh, Mingo, you have him at QB5. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sam Howell? Yeah, so, I mean – the like, like we just said with Carson strong, I mean, this is the point where, you know, it's not the, there are traits with Howell. That's, that's the reason I have him at five over six. Uh, I think, you know, he obviously has a little bit of athleticism. He showed it, especially this past year. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of work scrambling, making things happen. Uh, there was one game where uh, the announcer said, uh, we need a breaking news graphic because Sam Howell just slid like <laughs> that is, that is the epitome. Like my comp for him is Baker Mayfield and it, it's, it couldn't be more cut and dry for me. And, and I'm, so I'm talking like NFL Baker Mayfield, like the kind of guy <laughs> that all the like hope and upside that you saw at Oklahoma has just vanished and it's gone now. Um, that being said, I think Baker Mayfield's going to be starting for somebody in 2022. So I think there's a chance for Howell, at least, uh, you know, he has arm talent. I mean, he has a, a pretty good arm. Uh, there's flashes there. There's a lot less than some of these other guys. I mean, he's got some really, you know, inconsistent accuracy decision-making doesn't really show up as much as, you know, like a picket or something like that. That's why he's a little bit lower for me. Um, but the disparity between Pickett and Howell is pretty slim. I mean, the, it's not like a major tiered break for me at this point. Like 
there are things to like about Howell. There's a reason why, you know, I think his name is kind of, you know, flirting with that back of the first round conversation in the NFL, because there are tools there. I just don't see it as much as, you know, I can see projecting with some of these other guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's something to like there. Baker Mayfield works for, for some people. I think he could work for, for, you know, a few teams. Yeah. That's the thing with Howell. It's like, there's things to like, but like, there's nothing he hangs his hat on. It's not like this one elite trait where I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going to take him to the next level uh, in the NFL. It's like, sure. He's got a, he's got a good arm, but it's not like a special, I mean, he can throw on the run, different arm, arm angles. So you'll like that. Uh, obviously the rushing production was really impressive how, you know, he lost all those weapons, Javante Carter and Diami. Uh, so that was a different UNC team you saw out there. And it makes you wish you could have seen him with like a, a comp, like a good offensive line, like just even an average offensive line. It was pretty tough to watch at times. I know early in that game against Pitt, I mean, he's just getting eaten alive. You don't even have time to go through your reads. So at times he was just a tough eval because there was literally nothing he could do. Uh, and he made the best of it at times, but even when he did have time in the pocket, it was like, there were passes that he shouldn't be making, some accuracy issues, uh, needless interceptions. Yeah, it's it's just nothing. I can't put it all together for Sam Howell and say there's something there that could translate to the next level where I'm like, all right, we're, we're going to bang the table for this guy. And that just sort of leaves him at my QB6. Listen. Oh. This is – I I – before the season i was not involved in the like i, I knew spencer rattler's name i like I, I heard the names but i didn't really get into that so i wasn't uh privy to the sam howell qb one two kind of things i watched this tape boy i'll take your baker mayfield i'll raise you a Taysom hill this was <laughs> rough this was that like watching this tape I like the throwing is there's nothing really here. The O line is awful. So like, I'll give them some slack on that, but like there's not a lot of accuracy that makes me excited. Like it's just, it, it doesn't look like an NFL caliber quarterback. And I, I don't, I don't know if I'm totally out of pocket by saying that, but like, I I don't know. I, the, the rushing is good which is great but like he he throws the the pick six against Pitt. i had to like turn the film off and go watch carson strong to make myself feel better <laughs> like i this is like a lot of this is rough there's some really bad throws like we talked about desmond ritter where it's like for every two great throws there's one bad throw and it's like for every two bad throws for hell there's one great throw it's it's i i don't this is he's a distant sixth for me i think the Taysom comp could be a bit <laughs> harsh i think he's maybe a little better passer than that like there are some throws like there was nothing like there was never like i think there's never like an average throw for him it was it was always either like not good or it's like wow that was really impressive like there's one throw he had where it was a deep ball and just dropped it in the bucket to his receiver and it actually reminded me because to put it in perspective for this class, that kind of throw was really impressive, but it, he only did that like once or twice a year. And then 
like I was remembering like Zach Wilson would make that kind of throw every game, like twice a game. And it's like he put in perspective uh, where these quarterbacks are at. And like I said, I mean, with him, uh, you're just sort of hoping if you could put an offensive line in front of him that maybe you see something that we didn't get to see at UNC in his, his final season. But it's just it's tough to really project that to, to the starting level. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm like like you guys were saying with strong. I mean, there is nothing about Sam Howell that is making me sit here and say like, hey, <laughs> like this is the guy, man, like QB five. Look out for his uh, <laughs> landing spot. I mean, like it. I think he's just a guy in a class with a lot of guys. I mean, it's <laughs> like he's just the average guy in this class of like mediocrity and all the other guys ahead of him that have something you can cling on to to say like okay this kind of excites me a little bit i don't see that with howell that's how he's at five for me he kind of defaults at the back end of that range of guys uh and i have like a late second early third type of a grade on him so like he's not i don't project him as like necessarily a starter uh but i think he's you know he's got enough to to put him ahead of uh, strong for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to, again, put it, put, put it the cap on this class, put it in, <laughs> again, put it in perspective of where this class is at. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I went through all my rankings since 2018 for quarterbacks, uh, the total uh, first and second round grades, there were 23. So where these guys come in over the past four years for me out of 23 Malik Willis, QB 12, We've got, all right, so let me pull this up. Malik Willis, QB 12, Kenny Pickett, QB 15, Matt Corral, QB 16, Desmond Ritter, QB 19, Carson Strong, QB 22, and dead last QB 23 is Sam Howell. So it's just it's just a tough look. I mean, we, we maybe we've been a bit harsh, but I think that's just the reality of the class. I agree. I don't I think, think we've been harsh. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> I don't think you've been harsh enough. We really have tried to find good good things to take away yeah. from these guys. <laughs> there, there are good parts about these guys. Even even Willis at the top, unanimous number one. There is plenty to pick at with Willis, and he is by no means like anywhere close to the the five guys that we talked about last year like oh, he's yeah, he's no. not on mac jones like i have mac jones ahead of malik willis and that is saying something because of the upside of willis compared to what pe- we were seeing with mac jones yeah all right well that's our top six these are all the guys that we we're focused in on there's a tier below I really don't feel like getting into those guys. I mean, you got Bailey Zappi, Caleb Ellaby's maybe a bit intriguing for, for our purposes. We're going to stick with these top six. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks guys for joining me. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad I was finally able to break down, talk about these guys. Um, final words. I'll let you start Colin. Will you got anything you want to plug? Hey, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. And this quarterback class, I I really wanted it to like exceed my expectations because it's been talked about how bad it is. Unfortunately, it didn't, Um, but that's okay. You know, (laughs) got a lot, a lot of other guys to look forward to, especially in the the fantasy sense of things. Uh, You can check. I I don't know if this one will make it up on the Firestarters uh, feed, but 
we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll start pumping out some more content right around draft time. So check out the Firestarters podcast. Pretty pretty nice nice time with us. It is it is a nice time over there. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Caleb. This was great. Glad to talk about quarterbacks again, even though it was less fun than last year in terms of watching these guys. <laughs> Uh, but stay tuned for the running backs, wide receivers, specifically wide receivers. I don't know about running backs, wide receivers for sure on the kill on the kill pro dynasty show. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, and also if you like league specific fantasy football talk <laughs> with some little nuggets of insight in there to help anybody who wants to listen, check out the web podcast on Spotify. Yeah, I've I'm co-host on there and I've peered on the pop, uh, fire starter so I can say they're definitely worth a listen uh just at a behind the curtain with mingo talked a little bit if you're into idp a little dynasty theory with where you want to draft guys in idp uh rookie wise and you know letting go of guys trading away too soon too late so nice eye-opening experience if you want to go check that out web.com podcast so again thanks for joining me that was a lot of fun it'll be interesting when what i take away from all this what you all the listeners take away from all this where we rank this class quarterbacks not a good start i guess it's probably going to build its way up to the receiver part that's when you're really going to be uh interested in in terms of fantasy uh with what you're looking at but thanks again guys thanks everyone for tuning in uh if you want more content like this this will be on youtube so drop a like leave a review all that good stuff so uh thanks everybody and i'll catch you next time